Hello and welcome to today's very special lesson on understanding your menstrual cycle. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. I have been working very hard on getting this presentation ready for you and honestly I've spent the last couple of years just really learning as much as I can about this and researching and reading everything and I think we should have learned this stuff in school because it's so important whether you train or not like to understand what's happening in your body at each phase of your cycle because I think as women we spend so much time wondering if we're going crazy or like if why are we feeling this way and things like that, like second guessing our emotions and the way that we react to things and even down to like our strength and our tiredness and fatigue levels are something that we just question constantly. Well, I know I have anyway. And by having this knowledge, it can really help us to understand not to make excuses for maybe reacting or, or feeling extra tired or whatever, but it empowers us to know that we feel this way for a reason and there's things that we can actually do about it and we don't just have to put up with it we can work with our cycle so I really hope that you get a lot from today's training and just really start to understand not just how your cycle impacts your training but how it just impacts us in general as women so I am going to share my screen now my pretty little presentation so First slide, I'll get better as I go through it, it's just because I'm just starting, I'm a little bit nervous. So today we are going to cover the effects of hormonal contraception and how your cycle differs if you are on hormonal contraception versus if you're not on hormonal contraception. You're also going to learn about the different phases of the menstrual cycle and what's happening in the body during each phase and how that relates to your strength and training. I'm going to attempt to keep this within the hour and I'm also going to break this down into bite-sized lessons for those who prefer shorter content and I'll put those into the app so those of you that are clients who are doing ongoing coaching with me or some program through the Hannah Slash Fitness app you'll have access to this in the education section as well so that you can come back and refer to it later and I did just really want to start by saying a massive thank you to you for being here today because it's, I know how hard it is to juggle life and, you know, be a, a wife or a partner or a mom or a husband or whatever, working full time and trying to fit everything in and then also taking the time to personal development and self-development and to put this time and effort into bettering yourself. I know it's not easy. So thank you for putting you first and for scheduling this time for yourself. It's really important. And one of the things, the favorite things that I love to remind myself and other people is that you can't pour from an empty cup. And actually, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with the concept of self-care and putting themselves first, but you want to give to others when your cup is overflowing. And in order to do that, you have to fill your own cup. So don't think of it as like, putting yourself first and taking selfish time, you're giving to yourself so that then there is enough to overflow on top of this. So thank you for being here. I see you and I know it's not easy. So give yourself a big pat on the back just for showing up today and being here, putting yourself first. And I do also want to remind you that everything you feel throughout your cycle is normal. You're not going crazy. It's all part of being a woman. And I really hope that everything that I've learned and researched and studied for this training 
I hope that you can take it and implement it, not just in your own training, but in your life and all areas of it and help to really understand and have more compassion for yourself as well at all phases of your cycle. So let's dive straight in, shall we? Now, every month, whether you want to conceive or not, whether you like it or not, your body is preparing for a potential pregnancy. And to prepare your body for this potential pregnancy, your hormones, which are your body's chemical messengers, fluctuate throughout the month. And these fluctuations in your hormones affect absolutely everything. They affect your sleep, your mood, your sex drive, your uh, appetite, your energy levels, your strength. They affect absolutely everything. And it's really, um, you really, really need to understand that it's completely normal to experience such a range of emotions and feelings throughout the month as your hormones fluctuate. So the first thing that I really want to speak about just to bring some awareness to it is I want to show you the difference between a woman who is on hormonal contraception and what's happening hormonally throughout the month I've got my head there versus someone who is not on any form of contraception and how that differs and I do also just want to say before I go into this I'm not here to tell you whether or not you should be on any form of hormonal contraception it's a completely personal decision it's your choice it's up to you to decide what's right for you and your body and obviously speak to your doctor and uh you or your specialist if you feel like hormonal contraception is right for you I have been on hormonal contraception in the past I'm not currently on it now just because I feel that's the best decision for me at this time in my life but I will never say never so it's just good to be aware of what happens in your body when you are on hormonal contraception versus when you're not but it's your body your choice I just want to equip you with the knowledge and the awareness so that you can make a decision and know what's right for you and your body I'm not going to go into too much detail about contraception because there's just so many different forms and they all work in slightly different ways and have different effects on your hormones. But essentially, hormonal contraceptions suppress your body's normal cycle and replace it with an artificial 28-day cycle. And they do this either by preventing ovulation from occurring or preventing implantation from happening. So if you are on hormonal contraception, you might find, depending on which type you're on, that you either experience ovulation and you experience the symptoms associated with that, or you might find that you just kind of flatline and don't really experience many of the symptoms that we discuss um, throughout the month. You kind of just stay more steady. Again, neither is right or wrong. Um, but depending on which form of contraception that you're on and also the different levels that are released because there's also some that release more hormones than others like more um, concentration of the hormone and um, you might find that your symptoms are range from like mild to you've got severe symptoms and severe fluctuations um only you will know your body and your contraceptive methods better than anybody but hopefully this lesson can just help you to become aware of what your body experiences throughout your cycle and this is what i've just said is a very simplified explanation of what of course is a more complex and intricate process uh, it goes way beyond my scope of practice but i just wanted to give you an idea scientifically of what's happening in your body so that you can factor in your own circumstances whether or not you're on hormonal contraception 
and just take what you need from this training and apply it to your own life and your own unique circumstances. So the chart here shows, like I said, the top one is a woman who is not on any form of hormonal contraception. Um, and the bottom one is a woman that is taking a combined pill of estrogen and progesterone. And uh, like I said, some pills that are progesterone only will look different. Um, but it's interesting to see here that although the progesterone and estrogen stay rather steady throughout the month, uh, throughout the cycle, they're very stable. They do drop off here at the 21 day mark when uh, you, this is the point where you'll either take the sugar pill or have your break for your uh, breakthrough bleed. And it's just interesting to know that when these drop, as you can see with the woman who is on hormonal contraception, she also gets a drop towards the end of her cycle, which is when she'll experience PMS symptoms from those low hormones. And you might feel the same. So even if you're on the pill, you're not experiencing ovulation and you're not experiencing a, a period as such, you might still experience the symptoms associated with that. It's just good to be aware of it. But the good, well, not the good thing, the important thing to remember is that um, even though you are on hormonal contraception, you might feel like you don't experience hormonal fluctuations, but hormonal contraception does impact your hormones to some extent, even if it, that, that is just by suppressing them from being released. So you will experience some feelings associated with that. So it is important to know that in today's lesson, I am referring to and basing everything on a woman who is not on any form of hormonal contraception or not suffering from PCOS or endometriosis or anything like that. So it's a, what we refer to as a normal 28-day cycle of someone who is your general, not on any hormonal contraception, no hormonal uh, conditions or anything taken into consideration. If you are wanting more advice on things like that, speak to a specialist, speak to your doctor, get a referral, um, because this, uh, this presentation, this lesson is not going to take those things into consideration. Again, it's beyond my scope of practice, so just speak to a professional who can help you more with that. Okay, so the phases of the cycle. Here we go. Put you up there. So a common belief is that there are four phases to the female cycle as portrayed in this donut graph here. I think you can see that there. Let me move that one. Um, now, whilst all four of these things do happen, menstruation, follicular phase, ovulation, and the luteal phase. They're not all their own unique phase of the cycle. There's actually just two phases of the female cycle, which is the follicular phase, the estrogenic phase, and the luteal phase, which is the progesterone, progestational phase. And they are separated by the event of ovulation. Menstruation is actually a part of the follicular phase, and it indicates day one of the follicular phase of the cycle it starts on day one of menstruation so as the names in brackets suggest the estrogenic phase the follicular phase estrogen is the dominant hormone and in the progestational phase uh progesterone is the dominant hormone through the luteal phase so we'll show you this in more detail just got a little bit of a visual from a better not better but a different graph 
but just gives you a bit more of a visual on it. So I really like this one because as you can see here, the follicular phase and the luteal phase are two separate uh, phases of the cycle separated by the event of ovulation. And you can see here that the period is a part of that greater follicular phase. So well, it doesn't really matter, but it's good to have an understanding of what's, what each phase is scientifically. I really like this chart. It's the same one that I just showed you, but I've zoomed in so you can see it better because you can just really see in detail what's happening to the hormone at each phase of the cycle. So as you can see, during the first um, part of the cycle, the follicular phase, estrogen rises and it peaks at ovulation before dropping rapidly once the eggs been released and then rises again through the luteal phase and then will drop right before before your period. The progesterone, it stays low through the follicular phase, rising after ovulation in the hope of a fertilized egg, peaking at day 21. If there's no conception, progesterone will drop to its lowest point along with estrogen right before menstruation, which it's likely when you're going to start to feel like shit throughout the month. Now, the follicular phase is interesting. The duration of the follicular phase can vary greatly. It averages at around two weeks, but it can actually be anywhere from eight to 21 days or even longer than that. And like I said, this is the estrogenic phase. So this is, uh, as you can see from the graph, it's the phase where estrogen rises and reaches its peak of ovulation. It's actually known as the feel-good phase, but we'll talk more on that later. The second phase, the luteal phase, uh, begins at ovulation, and it's until the last day before the new period begins. Now, it's interesting because this phase is usually finite. It's uh, between 12 and 16 days, and it very rarely varies. And it's the progestational phase, like I said, so progesterone is the dominant hormone. Estrogen does drop after ovulation, rising again during the luteal phase, and then both estrogen and progesterone drop to the lowest point right before your period. And it's the time when you're most likely, because of that drop, to feel the symptoms of PMS. So that's where you might feel more irritable, more tired, low mood, less social. Again, I'll talk more on this later. Um, but I did just want to actually mention an interesting side note. So I don't know about you, but I actually seem to have a little bit of a slump in the middle of my cycle. And it's only as I was creating this training that I put two and two together and realized what's happening. So I just, it's only one or two days where I'll just get like really off day. And I always message my best friend because we talk about this stuff a lot. And I'm like, I'm ovulating. I'm supposed to be like at my peak, at my best. Why am I feeling like shit? Basically? Um, but I just realized that this drop in estrogen right after ovulation is right in time with when I hit that slump. So estrogen and serotonin are really closely linked. If one's high, if your estrogen's high, your serotonin's high, which is why the, uh, the estrogenic phase, the follicular phase, is the feel-good phase of your cycle. So it makes sense that I would experience that slump as the estrogen drops right off the ovulation and then start to feel a bit better before getting my like PMS symptoms right before my period. So I'm interested if you feel that or if you've experienced that, let me know because I want to see how many other people actually 
get that right after ovulation. So ovulation actually determines the length of your cycle. And I find that really interesting because a lot of people think that your cycle is determined by your period, but your period is actually a byproduct of ovulation. So the day of ovulation is what determines the length of your cycle. Ovulation is basically the main event. It's the re reason we have the cycle in the first place and the reason that we have our periods. Sorry, I was sat on my foot and now it's gone to sleep. So, for example, you could have a delayed ovulation due to stress or other factors, and you might not ovulate until day 30, and that would give you around a 44-day cycle. So 30 days follicular and then 14 luteal. And a lot of women believe that when their period is late, after they've eliminated a possible pregnancy as a cause, it's stress making their period late. This might be the case, but the stress would have had to have occurred earlier in the cycle, delaying ovulation, because like I said before, the luteal phase is finite. It's usually 12 to 16 days. It's rarely affected by any external factors. So it's just really interesting because there's I know like all these things that people say, like, oh, if you have sex, it'll bring on your period. If you relax and stop stressing and this and that, but Actually, if ovulation's been delayed, your period's not going to come any quicker, regardless of what you do during the luteal phase. So I just find that really interesting. But ovulation is the only thing that can be affected by external factors, resulting in a lengthened follicular phase, which would then in turn lengthen the whole cycle, delaying the period as a knock-on effect of a delayed ovulation. So if your period is late and you're not pregnant, it's because ovulation has been delayed. And it should also be noted, occasionally, a woman might not release an egg at all. And these type of cycles will either be really short or really long. And they're referred to as an anovulatory cycle from no ovulation occurred. So what happens in the body during each phase? Now, before I go into this section, I do just want to give a bit of a disclaimer. And this is something that I feel very strongly about. I'm not a fan of generalizing things and saying you will feel this way at this phase of your cycle because there's so much other stuff that can come into it so when I first started checking my cycle I used a couple of apps there's flow my flow clue there's more um, and I really liked a lot of things about them but one thing that really got to me was the notifications especially from flow telling me how I would be feeling they literally say things like you might experience low mood today and whilst it is nice to kind of know and understand, be validated and know that your feelings are valid, are valid and that physiologically there could be a reason to why you're feeling that way. But it's important to know that placebo effect is a very real thing. And there's a lot more that goes into your mood than just where you are in your cycle, like your sleep, whether you, yeah, you might have not had much sleep the night before, you might not have eaten enough, you might be hungry, you might be affected by the weather you might have something really shit that you don't want to do that day or you might have really good stuff that you're doing that day and you might be spending time with friends going to the beach you might have had a really good night's sleep you might be feeling much happier and had you not have received that notification then you wouldn't have really felt the low mood because you're having a great day your sleep's great you're not hungry uh you're doing stuff with friends you're the sun's shining and you might get that notification and feel a slump, 
and it might just be completely placebo. Where you are in your cycle is not the only factor that affects your mood. So just to really got to me that. Um, so be mindful that while, yeah, your feelings are valid and there could be physiological reasons for the way that you're feeling, don't let your app just tell you how you should be feeling. It is also really important to note that you can work with your cycle. So it comes with time and really getting to know your body and understanding how you're feeling at different times. I find journaling or just jotting down how you're feeling is a really good way to do this. And you can even leave, leave notes in your flow app of how you felt on different days so that you can reflect back and see patterns. And you can also do it with my app as well. Um, I put a feature in there so that you can make notes with literally every exercise on your training session. Um, and I love to do that if I've had maybe a bit of an off session and I haven't been able to lift as heavy, just make a note and be like, I'm here in my cycle. I didn't feel as strong. Maybe didn't get a good night's sleep or I've got something on my mind or whatever. So that next time you can kind of understand what happened last time and where you're at. Don't rely on yourself to always remember how you were feeling. And same vice versa, you know, when you have a good session and um, I put like, oh, smashed it today, felt great, loads of energy, had a really good sleep last night. So that if you are having an off day later, you don't beat yourself up that it wasn't as good as the last session because conditions might not be the same. So just data, collecting data. Um, it's really important and it's very comforting and like gives you a good understanding when you do have that to look back on. So just a little bit more as well on working with your cycle. So I know, for example, if I overcommit during the second half of my cycle, particularly the last week of the luteal phase, like I might just have a meltdown. So I know that if I can leave a bit more white space in my diary, not have the huge pressure of the deadline and make sure that I'm having enough time for myself and to fill my cup, then I know that that works better for me and I don't have as... um severe symptoms like PMS wise and stuff where if I put a lot of pressure on myself and have a lot of stress my PMS symptoms will be worse so it's good to understand that about yourself and in the first half of my cycle I'm way more social I'm way more able to handle pressure so I just use that to my advantage and structure my diary accordingly it takes time to get you know to get to know yourself and to be aware of these things and you won't always get it right so don't beat yourself up if you realize you've overcommitted and you're struggling because of it but it's always a work in progress and you've always got next cycle to build on and learn from and improve on next time and um, but at least just having that awareness and if you you also might find that it's not realistic for you to um organize your time around your cycle but if you do find again that you're struggling um it's just good to understand why take appropriate action and maybe recognize, okay, I've done too much, I've overdone it, what can I do for myself now? And to have some compassion and understanding for yourself with it. So in the follicular phase, under the influence of the follicle stimulating hormones, or FSH, 15 to 20 eggs mature in each ovary, and each egg is encased in its own follicle, which produces estrogen which is the hormone necessary for ovulation to occur. Then each follicle is racing to become the biggest follicle. And like I said before, duration of this phase can vary greatly. It averages about two weeks, but it can take anywhere from eight 
to 21 days or even longer. And this is the phase of the cycle that is affected by external factors also. So just important to remember and understand that. And the length of this cycle is determined by how long it takes for your body to reach an estrogen threshold. So then this estrogen threshold, this surge of estrogen, it triggers a surge of the luteinizing hormone, LH, which allows the egg to be released. And this phase ends when one ovary is released, uh, sorry, one ovary releases an egg from the dominant follicle. The follicle that's one, basically, the biggest one. Key points about this phase. So the follicular phase, like I said, is the first phase of your cycle, starts on day one of your period. And contrary to popular belief, menstruation isn't a separate phase of the cycle. It occurs during the follicular phase. It's typically the best time to push um, for strength and performance in the gym. Like I said before, it's the feel-good part of your cycle. That estrogen and serotonin are closely related. So you'll find that your sleep's improved, your sex drives higher, your mood's better. And it's when your hormones, if you remember from the chart that I showed you before, are at the lowest and most stable in your cycle. Mood and motivation are usually increased in this phase because like I said, estrogen and serotonin are closely related. I know you hear a lot, don't rely on motivation, but there's nothing wrong with using it to your advantage to build momentum and use it when you have it, you know? And sleep and recovery are also at their peak during this phase. Ovulation. So ovulation is the effect when one ovary eggs and the other eggs um, disintegrate in a process called artesia. Contrary to popular belief, the ovaries don't actually take turns in releasing an egg, and most of them actually tend to ovulate on one side. There is actually a study from the year 2000 where they found that most women actually do ovulate from their right ovary, which is very interesting. Um, again, common belief is that ovulation occurs around day 14 of the cycle, but the truth is it can actually vary very widely, like we've discussed before. Also, interesting to note that at this phase of your cycle, during ovulation for a couple of days, your calorie expenditure can increase anywhere from 5 to 20% during ovulation. Uh, now, this can be something that you account for with extra calories, depending on your goals. It's not something that I normally uh, would implement or encourage to be having extra calories around ovulation. Um, but just note that if you are feeling hungrier than normal, you might just have an extra snack or something and not be too concerned. But I wouldn't be using it as a free pass to like have an extra full meal or binge or overindulge or anything. There's no need to use it as an excuse. Again, it's just all about awareness. But at the same time, I wouldn't be beating myself up if I had an extra, you know, bit of chicken or an extra couple of hundred calorie snack throughout the day. A lot of women feel their best right before ovulation due to that surge in estrogen. So confidence, mood, motivation, sex drive are likely to be at a high, which makes sense because it's like the baby making time. So you want to be feeling confident and in a good mood for that to happen. Um, and again, I'm interested to know, like, if you feel that slump immediately after ovulation with that drop in estrogen, just let me know if you know this. I just want to know who, who else feels that way. Luteal phase. Gets a lot of hate this phase, but if you know how to work with it, it's not all bad. So, luteal phase usually lasts for between 12 and 16 days. And like I said, it very rarely varies. 
uh, progesterone starts to rise, peaking at day 21, and then if conception doesn't occur, it will start to drop. And this is when you're most likely to experience PMS symptoms. So low energy, low mood, changes to appetite, breakouts, eczema, cramps, poor sleep, all of these things can come in the luteal phase. Now, a common misconception, likely fueled by a lot of the tracking, tracking apps that go about telling you how you should be feeling, is that you need to pull back in the luteal phase and or on your period. But as I've already said, please just be mindful of these generic apps that really know nothing about you, telling you whether or not you should train and how you should be feeling. Because as you, because as you saw in earlier slides, your period is actually at the start of the follicular phase and it's actually prime time to be pushing in the gym and you might actually find that you start to feel good once your period comes and the symptoms of the luteal phase and I know for me personally it feels almost like I just need my period to come and I feel better I like I feel tired whatever because I have my period but those symptoms from the luteal phase as soon as that estrogen starts rising I start to feel better again and I know other women that I actually work with clients of mine that say as soon as their period comes, they start to feel amazing and they can lift heavier. So don't always believe what the tracking apps and other things tell you. But having said that, everyone is different and I cannot stress this enough. Like I personally do train on my period. I do train all the way through my cycle. But like I'm going to show you in the coming slides, that's unique to me and my experiences. And I'm not here to tell you that you have to do anything. It's your body, your choice you decide what's right for you. Again, just here to give you the information. And I only get mild period pains. So it's very easy for me to say, yeah, train on your period. I'm not crippled with cramps. So everyone's different. And your experience is your experience. And you can be the only one to make that decision for you. Okay, so during my luteal phase and the first couple of days of my period, I do notice that my energy is lower. I'm not able to lift as heavy until probably after day three of my period, but I still do my workouts and there's a few reasons why. So one of them is habit. I've, if you've worked with me for any num number of time or you can just follow me on Instagram, you know what I'm saying. Confidence is queen when it comes to getting results. So even if you don't go as heavy, even if you don't push yourself to your limits, just by showing up, just by getting that workout done, just by being there, you're keeping your momentum going. And that's what matters all the time. Oh, sorry, matters all the time. And it's also a case of just, for me personally, why this is so important to me is it's, it relates to who I want to be as a person. So I am the type of person that shows up when I don't feel like it. And by showing up to train when I'm in my luteal phase or on my period, I'm adhering to who I tell myself I am as a person. And that's important to me. So it's just, that's personal. Um, you might feel that way. You might not, it might not be important to you. The second thing is mental health. I just feel better when I train, even if I don't feel like it at the time. Once it's done, I'm almost, I'm always glad I did it. And the third thing is that it can help with symptoms. So although sometimes it is the last thing that you feel like doing, it can make you feel better because it releases endorphins. It can reduce bloating, can help with your cramps. And it can improve blood flow, and, blood flow and circulation, which is important, especially at that time of the month. Having said that, might be some reasons why you don't want to, and that's totally okay as well. 
you might find that you're absolutely exhausted from your sy symptoms. You might have heavy flow, you might have a low iron, might just be really, really tired. Uh, you might have PCOS or endometriosis. And again, seek expert advice if you do. You might just find that you're in too much pain um, and you physically can't get yourself to go to the gym. And you might find that you're just really self-conscious and uncomfortable at that time of the month. And you just don't want to go to the gym and wear tight pants or whatever. And that's fine. Like, however you feel is okay, you know? So I have clients that do get really heavy periods. And I've got some clients that have PCOS and endometriosis and they get really, really bad pain. And for these women, we'll normally arrange a rest day on the days when the cramps are at their worst. Um, so if you're training three or four days, that's um, more easy for you to navigate because you have say three or four rest days in a week so you're more easy to switch your days around if you're training five days that might be a bit more challenging and you might need to find that you you might find that you need to drop to four um if you need to and just talk to me if you're one of my clients we'll just chat about it and see what works best for you um there's no right or wrong way it's your life like what fits in with you and what you want to do is the most important thing we don't do cookie cutter approaches over here. If you like the way I teach and you want to learn more about working with me, you can find out about all my programs and all the opportunities to work with me at my website, www.hannasardfitness.com. So some important things to remember and some key takeaways. The most important one to me, don't let your data tell you how you should be feeling. So like I've said before, I'm going to hammer it into you. The placebo effect is a very real thing. And Whilst it's great to be aware that there could be physiological reasons why you're feeling a certain way, I think it's also really important uh, to just know that these suggestions can actually really influence the way that you're feeling. So if your app is telling you that you might be experiencing low mood, the chances are you're going to start to feel it, where if they never sent you that notification, would you really feel it? Like, I don't know. The second thing, again, I've drilled this into you as well, is your body, your choice. Only you can decide what's right for you. So a lot of information out there is accurate or incomplete or just a complete overgeneralization. Um, I won't go on about it too much. So I think I've already covered that enough. But you might not be hitting PBs. And energy-wise, you might need to pull back at certain times of the month and not go as heavy or prioritize your rest and recovery a little bit more or rearrange your rest days. But there's absolutely no reason why you should stop training simply because you have your period or you're in the luteal phase of your cycle. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Another takeaway is don't just track your bleed. Like if you really want to get the most out of your training and your life, it's really important to take notes of other things like strength, mood, energy levels, so that you can identify patterns and you can just understand yourself better at all phases of your cycle. In my app, um, that I booked for my clients you can actually like I said log the notes for each exercise and then you can easily look back and see what you've done last time and refer to your notes I added this feature because I would get so frustrated on the weeks when I didn't feel like as strong and I really wanted to have more context around it so if I'd done like a 60 kilo squat for four sets of 10 last week and then this week I've done 45 and I feel like I'm gonna die then I would feel really annoyed and like beat myself up about it. But by having this um, thing to be able to log notes and stuff in my workouts, I can look back on it and make a note and see like what I've done and why I've 
been able to go as heavy last time versus this time. So it stops myself from beating myself up when I have an off week. Um, and like, especially when I can see that my last good session was just simply a good day and all conditions are perfect. Um, and then it doesn't become like the new precedent of I have to perform at that because I've done it before. Because I think a lot of people, what I know I did really struggle with that. Like you feel like because on one day you've been able to lift a certain weight, that's it. That's the new standard and you always have to be improving. It's not the case. You've seen how our hormones fluctuate throughout the month. We're not always going to be performing at our best. So that doesn't have to be the new precedent. And then on the flip side of that, if I do go lighter, that also doesn't become the new precedent because I can look at my notes and see, okay, well, last week I was feeling tired or I had a sore knee or whatever. This week I'm fine. So it's time to push now. So I love that feature so much. And the last thing is just remember it does take time. And the more you pay attention to and track your cycle, the more you're going to have awareness about what's happening in your body and also what works best for you. And it's just a process to gather as much information as you can and will always be evolving and changing. So you don't need to think of it as like a task that you have to complete um, or the destination. It's something that, you know, it's going to be ever evolving and changing. But having said that, the more you track, it's like with nutrition, the more you track, the more awareness you have, the less you actually need to track because you start to intuitively know based on past experience where you are in your cycle and what's happening to your body. So it will take you a good three to six months of accurately tracking to be able to identify your patterns and get to know what's normal for you. So just make sure you log as much data as possible. And the last little slide is just some references and future reading for you. So these are the references um, that I've got my uh, data from and the studies and stuff I have linked the books that I recommend um taking charge of your fertility and cycle savvy the smart teens guide to the mysteries of our body they are in my Hanasa fitness app shop with all the other books that have changed my life um, and you can also find the link in my stories as well on Instagram in the highlights so I hope you've enjoyed this training and I hope you found it really helpful and useful um, I know that all of this information has really helped me on my journey to understanding my cycle. So I hope you can use it and implement it. So thank you so much for joining me today. I will stop sharing my screen now. Um, I, yeah, I hope you found this useful and interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today and for being here. And if you do have any questions, feel free to message me. You can message me on Instagram, Facebook. You can email me, hannah at hannahsardfitness.com. Um, or if you see me in the gym, whatever, just come and ask me. I'm always happy to help. Thank you so much for being here today. And I will see you on the next training.